Welcome. You are listening to Park Avenue Podcasts, and this is Rabbi Elliot Cosgrove. While it's always better to hear it live, this is a place to be to catch the music, sermons, and select programs of Park Avenue Synagogue. If you like what you are hearing or want to learn more about the community, please check out our website at www.pasyn.org. Enjoy our latest installment. Shabbat Shalom. When I received a call midweek from a colleague asking whether I would personally attend, address, and mobilize my community for a pro-Israel rally this Sunday, I have to admit I paused a beat before answering. Why, I wondered to myself, did I hedge? My hedge was not I knew about me. I could be there, and like many rabbis, I've yet to meet a microphone that I wasn't drawn to. My hedge, I don't think, stemmed from concern that the pleasant turn in weather would prompt a pre-memorial day urban exodus. I also don't think my hedge had anything to do with a fear that people would be inhibited from attending an outdoor gathering or even, God forbid, that anti-Zionists or anti-Semites would inflict harm on those in attendance. I love Israel, and for all the clumsy cheerleading of rallies, as Woody Allen once said, most of life is just about showing up. Israel needs friends, always and especially now. It's important to demonstrate to the world that we stand with Israel. So why did I pause? Why did I hedge? As it turns out, I wasn't the only one who received the call. And as it turns out, I wasn't the only one who hedged. The Manhattan rabbinic community is pretty tight, and we all started calling and texting each other. One PR-savvy colleague of mine explained to me that he hedged because he believed that the battleground is no longer Times Squares. Rallies are positively old school. If you want to impact public opinion, Today you do it on social media, TikTok, Instagram, and otherwise, where a 20-something can weigh in on the Middle East to her 40 million followers. Another political savvy colleague of mine shared that her hedge was due to her belief that the battleground is no longer Times Square, but Congress. If you want to make a difference on Israel, get your congregants to D.C., get them involved, be it lobbying, letter writing, check writing, let your elected official know you care about their support of Israel. If anything, she feared, going to a rally could be subtractive in the sense that a well-intentioned pro-Israel supporter might attend the rally, believe they've done their part, and not realize that they could have spent that energy on another front of the fight. One colleague, a bit to my political left, shared with me his concern about the nature of the rally. Would it be pro-Israel or would it be pro-peace? He did not feel that either he or his congregation could get behind a rally that did not speak to the suffering of Palestinians and provide a platform for Palestinian voices. He had heard about last week's pro-Israel rally in Times Square where some yahoo who recently pled guilty to inciting mob violence, had spoken in support of Israel. And there was no way my colleague would be present or speak at a rally at which such a person spoke. 
And then I spoke to another colleague, this one a bit to the right of me, who said basically the exact opposite. There were missiles raining down on Israel's civilian population. The situation was clear cut. A pro-Israel rally that equivocated on who was to blame, a rally at which Palestinian voices were to be given a platform, was simply not a rally at which either he or his community would attend. As I listened intently to all my colleagues' reasons for hedging, and I thought about my own, I wondered to myself, and now I wonder to you, if there was not beneath it all something deeper going on. What if all these reasons were just the symptoms, but the underlying disease was yet to be named? A thousand small reasons obfuscating the big one. What if the real reason held by me and others is a fear that a rally might be organized in support of Israel and nobody shows up? Over 4,000 missiles aimed at Israeli civilian populations these past weeks. Thousands have marched in support of Palestinians. The pro-Israel community needs a strong turnout. And then we throw a rally, and on the big day, the turnout is schwach, it's nothing. Well, that would be self-defeating. That would expose an embarrassing reality about American Jewry. Just imagine people turning on the Sunday evening news and seeing that mainstream American Jewry no longer turns out for Israel. And those who do are not really the ones we want representing the rest of us. Better the thinking goes, cancel the rally, stay home and brush an awkward and inconvenient truth aside. What did our hedge reflect? A moment of indecision reflecting a momentous inflection point that has been a long time in coming. An American Jewry that no longer goes to the mattresses for the Jewish state. A world in which when the going gets tough for Israel, American Jewry no longer has Israel's back. Friends, in the last 24 hours, a ceasefire has been announced between Israel and Hamas. And let's hope that it holds. I have no doubt that in the days to come, there will be no shortage of analysis of how we got here, who started this conflict, and who won and who lost. And as lovers of all humanity, we mourn the loss of life on both sides. But even with the ceasefire, there is another front that rages on that this latest conflict has brought into sharp relief, and that is the battle for the soul of American Jewry. Can Israel count on the reflexive support of American Jewry anymore? Will we, in Israel's hour of need, turn up when the hour demands? The fault lines are there for everyone to see. My tale about the run-up to tomorrow's rally is just one of them. Just yesterday, I read a news item. You may have seen it too. Dozens of rabbinical students from a variety of seminaries signed on to a letter calling Israel to account an American Jewry by extension for the violent suppression of human rights. A letter, mind you, that failed to make any mention of Hamas, terrorism, or for the historically inclined decades of Arab rejectionism to any sovereign Jewish presence in the Middle East. There's nothing fringe about the signatories to this letter. They represent the coming generation of Jewish leadership. 
Future rabbis who, when given the chance to leverage their moral voice and put pen to paper, do so in support of Palestinians, not Israel. Their willingness to openly declare their dismay with Israel signals the tectonic shifts taking place from beneath our feet. It's an uncomfortable realization that we make even worse if we don't name it for what it is. A generation of Jewish leaders who didn't grow up associating the Palestinians with Munich and the murder of Klinghoffer. For them, Israel is a privileged power and the plight of the Palestinians just another example of racial and social justice in need of remedy. They have a different set of assumptions shaped by a different set of life experiences. Their solidarity rallies mean something totally different than yours. The winds are shifting for rabbis, for ra future rabbis, and for American Jews as a whole. If you wanna see the effects, just take a look at Capitol Hill. Now every caring human being wants a ceasefire. To call for one unto itself isn't interesting, except of course when such calls give the appearance of moral equivalence, of failing to make a distinction between attacker and defender. The fact that 29 Democratic senators called for such a ceasefire, the fact that leading House members have called to put a pause on the sale of the very aid Israel needs to defend itself and from its enemies, signals something about the perceived support for Israel by these leaders regarding the pro-Israel community. They can sense something that we would rather not admit to. The fact that historically fierce defenders of Israel in Congress have been silent in the face of anti-Zionism and anti-Semitism signal that they, in this cancel culture era, are more concerned about a political lashing from an energized left than losing the weak tea support of American Jewry for Israel. The transformation is not just in a political party. The transformation is in the perceived importance assigned by a political party to American Jewry's traditional support of Israel. This isn't about facts. It isn't about who started the conflict or for that matter, that the ideology of Hamas is the antithesis of every liberal value progressives claim to hold dear or that flag bearing Palestinian thugs have beat up Jews on the streets of Los Angeles and New York this past week. This is about politics about perceived power and about keeping power, and that right now a calculated shift is taking place in real time. A whole lot of people are noting that American Jewish support is not quite the dependable and united front and force it once was. To the question of how we got here, well, that's a question to which we could spend hours and there are probably people better equipped to speak to the topic than I am. Some of it, I imagine, has to do with a long-in-the-making divergence between an increasingly universal-oriented American Jew and an increasingly parochial or particularistic Israel. The combination of politics and personality that has made progressive support for the policies of a right-wing Israeli government a non-starter. None of this happened overnight. Whatever finger pointing can be directed at American Jewry, 
We need only rewind the last few decades of Israeli decision-making to realize that what we're seeing today is the chickens coming home to roost. The settlement creep, the inability of Israel to actualize a two-state solution, the nation-state bill. In other words, Israel's repeated inability to give expression to its foundational and fundamental aspiration of being both a Jewish and democratic state living side by side with a Palestinian neighbor. Power, wrote John Adams to Thomas Jefferson, always thinks it has a great soul. This story is not just about American Jewry. It's about the repeated fumbling akin to the biblical Samson about who we read in the Haftorah this week of Israel successfully negotiating its power with the leadership responsibilities that come with it. And because I've said it for the last 20 years, I may as well say it again, it doesn't help, it doesn't help that the very Israel that's wondering about the withering of American Jewry's support for the Jewish state is the same Israel that has done pretty much everything it can do to make me feel as a conservative Jew that the Judaism I preach, that I teach, and I practice here in America, from which my support of Israel is derived, is not considered Judaism in Israel. We could spend hours on how we got here, but what really matters is the time, thought, and energy we need to spend on where we go from here. The issues are complicated, and I'll readily admit that it's a daunting thought as to how to move the needle given the situation in Israel, the situation in America, and the situation for American Jewry. Perhaps at this point, the first step, best step, is to ensure that our community, Park Avenue Synagogue, is a model for the kind of change that we seek to see in this world. A synagogue that is proudly and unapologetically Zionist, and that insists that our Zionism acknowledges and works on behalf of the right of Palestinians for self-determination. A community that teaches our children to love Israel, to learn about Israel, to travel to Israel, to live in Israel, and that no different than an American does not stop being pro-American when one disagrees with this or that administration. One does not stop being a Zionist if one disagrees with the decision of this or that Israeli government. We can build a home here and build a home for radical moderates, for people who are willing to foster dialogue with opinions different than our own, a community that rejects the illiberalism of cancel culture, a community that is willing to listen to each other with empathy and curiosity and earnestness to speak our minds even as we show a willingness to change our minds. I don't have the answers, but maybe, just maybe, if we speak into that centrist megaphone long enough and loud enough, we can make the sane center the sane majority. We can model something great and help American Jewry regain its footing towards building a shared future with Israel. Friends, I will not be attending the rally tomorrow. It will be at 11 a.m. at 7 World Trade Center. What will I be doing? I'll be getting on a plane to Israel. Through the generous support of UJA Federation, I'll be participating on a rabbinic solidarity mission to Israel. We'll visit those traumatized by the recent fighting. We will express gratitude to those leaders and soldiers upon whom the safety of Israel depends. We will see projects 
of Arab-Jewish cooperation and community building. Most of all, all those rabbis I mentioned in all their diversity of views will be showing each other and the communities we serve a model for Israel engagement by way of our willingness to be together and perhaps most importantly by way of showing that when someone is hurting as Israel is now, you just show up. It is for me a great example of a whole lot of hemming and hawing, a whole lot of maybes turning into through the generosity and leadership of UJA, something I hope to be really impactful for us, for our communities, and the relationship between American Jewry and Israel. So for me, I'm going to Israel. For you, maybe it'll be the rally. For another, it might be engaging politically. For one person, it might be supporting an organization whose mission is peaceful coexistence between Israelis and Palestinians. For another, it might be supporting the soldiers of the IDF. But make no mistake, each one of us and all of us together must show up. Do it because it is the right thing to do. Do it because Israel needs you to. Do it because the world is watching what you are doing. When it comes to Israel, there can be no sitting on the sideline. To be a Jew and not be actively engaged with securing the Jewish future, the future of a democratic Jewish state, is to abdicate the responsibility that comes with being a Jew. This is our North Star. This is what our community stands for. And this is what it means to be a Jew. You show up. You show up. You show up. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for listening to Park Avenue Podcasts, a place to be to catch the music, sermons, and select programs of Park Avenue Synagogue. If you like what you are hearing or want to learn more about the community, please check out our website at www.pasyn.org. See you in shul. Hallelujah.